This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, good evening, morning, afternoon, however anyone's listening to this. Uh, welcome back to the Every Step Along the Way podcast. Uh, I'm uh, very happy to welcome back uh, Mr. Daniel Buxton to the pod. How are you, mate? I'm all right, thank you, mate. I am. Uh, yes, it's just us two this week, isn't it? There's an empty chair. Yeah, yeah, it is, mate. And um, I, I don't know why I've come into this pod with the boys are back in town theme in my head. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I must admit, I'm not going to play it because we might get in trouble for copyright. But um, yeah, it wouldn't be the same without you, Dan. And uh, like, like you said, I mean, speaking of wouldn't be the same. I mean, Andy's obviously been a permanent uh, fixture in there. And, you know, if anyone wonder where Andy is, don't worry, he's OK. You know, he's uh, he's going to be off for about a week. He's Unfortunately, he's had some not great news this week. So um, he's just taking a bit of time out just to just to chill and relax and and come back. Um, hopefully his normal, happy, chirpy self with a bit of luck. So obviously uh, something we support. So Andy, um, fingers crossed we see you back soon, mate. But um, yeah, Dan, um, I'm sure we'll we'll get on fine. Uh, we were talking previously about that this was a permanent fixture, just me and you uh, last season, which I'm not going to lie, it feels a million miles away. Uh, that first couple of pods does now, but uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll be fine. <laughs> Yeah, weird. I mean, it's, it must be like possibly the first time this year that it's just been me and you. Yeah, I'd say so. Because even when Andy's mm. not been able to make it or something, it's always been obviously Ben from the YYY files or obviously Liam, uh, obviously the the uh, Tommy Reykjavik book and, and all that. So, yeah, it's it's strange. But hopefully everyone doesn't mind listening to our dulcet tones. I can't imagine anyone's tuning in to listen to Andy, but <laughs> I'm joking. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, mate. I'm only joking. Just trying to, trying to wind you up. Um, anyway, uh, we've got a lot to talk about, so let's get straight into it. Um, yeah, again, another disappointing result. I'm sick of coming on and saying that so far this season. really didn't expect to be saying it, to be honest with you, but... Um, obviously, yeah, uh, an, another defeat, unfortunately, in front of the cameras, just to kind of show how how mediocre we've been this this season so far. Um, I mean, Dan, I think the only place we can probably start here <laughs> is the first goal. Um, oh, do we have to? <laughs> we do, I'm sorry. So, <laughs> I do understand sometimes, and you saw Bonham's mouth, he said, oh, it bounced a bit too high. Yeah, no, sh- oh, Sherlock. God. Yeah, come on. <laughs> you don't say. Um, the problem just, is... That just, complete, that just rounded it off. That just finished me off, that did. It bounced yeah. too high. 
really? He said he completely void of any kind of emotion in his in his voice. It was like, just like, state the obvious. Um, and unfortunately for him, that first I don't think he should have been coming out for that ball. There was two defenders going to deal with it. They're running into the corner. I think it was a poor decision. I mean, he's tried to take responsibility. You, you've got to give him credit for that, but he's completely misjudged. Uh, not only the bounce, but the actual situation. Um, and obviously, whenever something like that happens, and it's your goalkeeper that it's bouncing over, it's not normally a good outcome. Um, I think, aside from Bonham, though, in that situation, man, keen to get your thoughts on this, right? So, I've watched it back now. Oh God, six, seven times, maybe Go more. Um, yeah, I was. I just I, to the point where I was like, did it really happen? I remember it happening, uh, and it was. I mean. Aidan Flint, I'm sorry. He, yeah, he kind of redeemed himself throughout the game. I didn't think he had a bad game after that. But any self-respecting player has to clear that into Rosette. I can't... I, I don't understand how he's misjudged the ball. It, there was no pace on it. There was nothing. How has he scuffed maybe, his shot? Maybe it bounced Clears. too high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe it wasn't um, Bonham saying bounce too high. It was asking if you know Flint did he bounce too high for you. I, I really don't know, mate. But it was a bit yeah, of a farcical it, goal, wasn't it? It was dreadful, wasn't it? It was a dreadful way to start. It sort of put us on the back foot right away in a game that we were probably looking to go in and win, get a positive result from, get them, you know, the Alex Neal, um, you know, and then all of a sudden, boof. Down the floor, it, straight away. That that rips up any manager plans after two minutes. Yeah, and it's come <laughs> from nothing. It's that ball over the top again. How many times this season have we said that we could not deal with long balls, either directly yeah. in on goal or into the channels? I don't understand. These are professional footballers, and they can't deal with long balls over the top. They're not but small I guys. I don't even understand the, the, the issue, though. I don't understand why he was coming out for it. No. It was. It wasn't as if he was in the middle of the goal, you know, Lucas Jao bearing down on goal, was it? He was. He was out on the on the wing, and he had Ben Wilmot tracking him. You know, Ben Wilmot wasn't side by side with him, but he would have. By the time Lucas Jao took the ball under his control or whatever, took a touch, Ben Wilmot would have been able to cut the angle across. Yeah, I really don't get why he thought he had to come out and deal with that. It wasn't his ball to deal with. He didn't need to be there. Could you say? Hmm. Lacking a bit of confidence is kind of missed. I don't know. He's he's trying too hard to try and impress, and he's just completely cocked up. A bit like Jack Button did when you mm. know Jack Button had all his errors and stuff. It was just a similar thing then, wasn't it? It was like you know he he um, wanted he came rushing out at that game against uh, QPR once on the first day of the season. Yeah, and then it just sort of snowballs from there with him, unfortunately. Um, let's hope that this JB can sort himself out better than that one did. <laughs> yeah, we've <laughs> got a bit of a curse with JBs, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, Joe Bursic as well. Yeah, yeah, there's a number of them. And I think there's a bit, I saw calls again for, I get it, understandably. People were saying, okay, let's bring Joe Bursic back. But how many times can we keep going back and forward between Bursic and Bonham, and Bursic and Bonham? We can't replace either of them right now. Blondie isn't good enough to step up. Um, obviously, we've got Sims, who I think is still in the under-21s or under-18s, whatever it is. Um, he's still there. He's still clearly not ready. Um, well, so, he's only 17. Simkin, yeah. 
Yeah. Exactly. So he's clearly way away. So we've got to understand that we're now sitting here with Bonham and Bursic. I mean, they've both got their potential issues with confidence. I don't think we're going to really keep changing the goalkeeper. We've got to accept that these are, at the minute in time, they're performing like average championship goalkeepers. Um, and is there any value in your eyes for changing it every other week? For me, not at all. No, goalkeepers need stability. Goalkeepers and defenders need to know who they play with, and especially them central halves as well. There's like a triangle of the centre halves and the goalkeeper, and they need to be on the same wavelength. They need, you know, they need to know where what, is is my goalkeeper somebody who likes to come out? Is he comfortable coming out? Yeah, will he be passing it short to me? Will he be is the distribution will he be going long? Do I need to drop deep? Will he come and claim corners? It's yeah. You know, are my centre halves good in the air? Do I can I stay on my line? It, it's you know th- those relationships don't get built up and then chill. Oh, because especially because the thing is, it's not as if we've got two similar goalkeepers. We've got two very different goalkeepers mm. in Bursic and Bonham. Bursic is very much a modern day goalkeeper. He's good distribution. He's good with his positioning. Um, or at least those are the strengths of his game. Whether he's been good at it lately is you know debatable. But it's like those are his strengths, aren't they? That's where he lies. And his shot saving may not be to the level of Bonham's, but he probably cuts out a lot of the the opposition's opportunities before they get to that stage due to the strengths in his game. Do you get where I mean? I'm with you, yeah. Yeah, whereas obviously Bonham's good at saving shots, but the opposition are always going to probably have more shots at him because of the way he got, he keeps goal. Yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying, mate. That they, they are, they're, they're different. I think the the thing that worries me at the minute with our, our our squad in that in that situation is, as long as I can remember, we have had an exceptional goalkeeping unit. You know, we've had obviously the Tommy Sorensons of this world with Begovic and uh, you know a number well, of others. We, we yeah, we we we've had so much quality. Let's in run that. back, right? Let's run back. So we had Jack Butland. Mm-hmm. Before him, he yeah, before him it was Asmir Begovic. Yeah. Before him it was Thomas Sorensen. Mm-hmm. Before him it was Steve Simonson. Yeah. Before him it was Ed De Hoy. Oh yeah. And then you, you know you go back then where are we are then two thousand three to two thousand four, and it was Neil Cutler. I mean, <laughs> Neil Cutler wasn't the greatest goalkeeper. We got promoted with him. <laughs> yeah. Know? Um, it feels like we're back to that level, though, mate. We're, we're yeah, back you, all that way. It's probably, like you say, 20 years since. And then, obviously, you know, like, like I say, the worst goalkeeping level we've been in 20 years. I actually think there is a good goalkeeper in Joe Basic. Mm-hmm. But I don't, you know, as much as, you know, Michael O'Neill's, I, I felt he was hard done to a lot of things. I think the way you treat the goalkeepers didn't help at all and no. maybe that was a lack of experience of club management on his part you know of the effects of constantly chopping and changing your goalkeeper because I think he left both of them sort of nervous and devoid of any sort of confidence really and I'm just wondering what I think with Alex Neal being a fresh face he's probably got one change he's either got to stick with Jack Bonham until January or at least you know for a few more mistakes 
because I think he's all he can only change it once to basic. I don't think he he now will be able to change it back. I think he can maybe sit basic down or bottom whatever and say, right, I'm changing this because I've had a look at Jack Bottom and I think you seen you in training, whatever, and I believe that you may suit my game or my what I want to play, you're gonna be better for this team. But then if he brings him back out again and brings Bonham back in, I think that would destroy Bursic's confidence again. So he's only he's literally only got he's got if he makes a change, he's gotta stick with it. Yeah. I mean who who would you go in in goal right now? If you if you had to take it to January which one of them would you have in till January? I'm a, I'm a big Joe Basic fan, I'll be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you, mate. I think Bonham, he, he, he's nothing more than a backup keeper. I mean, Christ, what? He was at Gillingham before us. Um, you know, mid-table, you know, level goalkeeper in that division. So, I don't, I, I personally, I don't think he's a quality championship goalkeeper um, at all. But, yeah, I'm with you, mate. Bursic uh, gets the nod for me. Um, what did you actually think of the overall game? Because at times it felt like it was a bit of a nothing match. It had its moments for me, but other than that, it—I mean, we'll get onto Tom Ince and people in a bit. But other than that, it felt a little bit, eh, bit of a meh type game. It, there was no flashes of incredible quality. There was just moments. Yeah, it was it was weird because I think obviously after that initial goal, we sort of had lots of possession, didn't we? And we first off, they they defended really deep um first half and we had lots of possession but never actually there was no end product. There was nothing, everyone was just sort of passing it on to the next guy. Oh you you create something, you create something. And we were doing a lot of, yeah, there was I think Smallbone to be fair put a lot of crosses in the box and stuff but you know, I think Fosu tried a few times, didn't he, getting balls into the box, but yeah, nothing really created. We were a bit, yeah, we were definitely devoid of any sort of real, you know, end product. And then I think, yeah, I felt really sorry for the strikers to be honest, because they never got any real service, do they? And it's it's, it's a it's, it's a recurring thing. They were making good players look bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and dare I say, mate, we're probably missing Josh Timon right now. Oh, definitely, one hundred percent. Yeah, um, I think the second. What happened to the second half as well? I think we us scoring just for half time. Obviously, you're never going to turn an equaliser away. But I think if anything, it helped Reading because obviously they got in the dressing room and the manager was then like, "You need to push." I'm sure he was telling them, "You know, you need to be pushing further forward. You need to get out, get forward," and they did. And I think. I just wonder if it was still 1-0, would they have still started sitting back? And then if we score early second half, do we then sort of get the momentum and keep going? Do you know what I'm sort of getting? Yeah, it's nice to score just before half-time, but I think if we just scored just after, we may have gone on to win the game because of obviously the way they were playing first half. I think he probably got into them and pulled into half-time and told them to move themselves further up the pitch. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, mate. You're right. I think we're we're making good players look crap right now, um, and the sooner these players are, are back, the better. Uh, I mean, one person we brought up the other the other week, and I'm going to bring him up again, um, is Sam Klukas or Klukas or Klukos. It depends which which uh, 
name they were coming up with at times. I mean, mate, I swear, right, if you're going to be on Sky Sports and you're going to commentate on a match, learn the players' names, or even better, read it off the screen or read it off a piece of paper. The amount of times that, I I don't know what her name was, but she was going Klukas, Klukas, it's Klukas. Like, it's not flipping rocket science. Learn his damn name. It did me tree in because she kept saying it over and over again, but she kept changing the way she said it. Anyway, he again showed a complete lack of quality over again. Not just the shot that he completely messed up, but he didn't affect the game at all. Again, he he just went missing. And I don't know what we're seeing in him, to be honest. I think I'd rather Thompson in there than him. There are options that we can have. And I really hope that that is the last time that Sam Klukas plays for us. I'm guessing it ain't going to be. But I'm open to the last time. And one thing you mentioned to me, Dan, before we came on here was the potential stamp. I mean, there was no potential about it. It, it, it was a stamp. And the guy should have been sent off. And I kind of wish he would have been sent off as well. And I've not heard of any re- retrospective action against him, I don't think. I know, yeah. Because you think there would have, if there was like a three-game ban, then that would have given somebody like a Thompson or even a Nick Powell coming back. You know, three games time, you'd hope Nick Powell's probably fit and... Sam Clickers is, you know, sort of out the side, and you know, we're not, we're not on this, po- you know, on this podcast, we don't sort of have a go at players for for the sake of it, but no, he's he's just not pulling his weight. He's just not. He's he's been involved. He's been trusted by managers now. What three, four Stoke managers he's been trusted with, and you know, going right back to Rowett, and he's just not. There's just nothing. Nothing's no. going. Yeah, you know, he, he had a good six to nine months. Um, and other than that, he does. I've only played Swansea. He does very little. <laughs> well, even against Swansea, mate, he was invisible. So I think he, yeah, he, can't, he, he, he can't even claim that anymore. This year. Yeah. So he he we need to get rid of him out, out of this out of this team. Um, and maybe when people get fit, he'll be nowhere to be seen. And like you said, mate, we don't like to call people out, but we have to say what we see at the end of the day. You know, I don't care if people don't like it. Um, if you know, if anyone from the club listens, then I'm sorry, but we're calling it how we see it. Tough luck. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of other, other things I wanted to mention, let's turn things into a bit more of a positive. Nick Powell, good to see him back. Um, he didn't do an awful lot, but, you know, it was... What, very it quiet. was he was, but it was good Good to see him just floating around the pitch again. He was trying to get involved. He was trying to do something. Um, again, lack of movement up, up ahead of him at times. Um, but in fairness, that's probably because no one really understands how Nick Powell's going to play. A lot of them players have never played with Nick Powell. Um, so I think it was good to see him back on it. Yeah, I think Sky picked up on a couple of times, didn't they? Watch it back where he he was sort of remonstrating with his teammates about passes they were doing and I think it was like one for Wilmot where he tried to play the ball th- um he tried to play the ball through and to, to somebody else and he was still there to Brown. Saying, yeah to Brown that was it and he was saying just play a simple ball and send it to me. Simple. I'm here in space. <laughs> and yeah and, and you think even if he's not fully fit, just having him there sort of maybe dictating how others play may just help us and just you know, help people see the game in a different way. Yeah, well, mate, personally, I think with a week behind him, um, you know, I, I reckon he'll be in. We'll, we'll get into team predictions later, but I think he'll be in. Um, and yeah. that probably spells the end of Klukas, um, to be honest as well, which, fine. Um, 
any other positives you wanted to take from it? I mean, obviously the fact that we scored a goal and from actually from a corner is a good thing, but um, well, any other positives? Yeah, I mean, Ben Wilmot scored. I mean, obviously he went from hero to zero in the second half, but <laughs> the like, I, did, I was quite surprised that was only his second goal. I mean, the other one was obviously that sort of Thunderbolt rocket that he scored. And it seems like he sort of should have more goals than that, to be honest. <laughs> like the chances he gets and stuff. I'm surprised that yeah, that was the only one he scored. It felt like he got a couple more. And did you feel that? Because well, I think one of the comments that was thrown around a lot, and I don't know whether it was, you, you know, some people call it called it a lazy comment. Other people think it was relevant. People saying that we looked really unfit. Do you do you still think that was the case from the weekend, or were we just lacking quality? Right. So I've got that a year as well. Stuff that. So obviously Alex Neal's he's not happy as he says. There's no zip to our game. There's no intensity. They're not fit enough. I was going to ask you, do the, if that's true, is that true, or is that a new manager buying himself some time? Like, if he says yeah. they're not fit, oh, these players, I've inherited a team and the players just are not fit. That means he's got really six weeks, six, eight weeks, where he can go back to that and say, they're just not fit, I'm getting them fit. And, oh yeah, you'll see, when they fit, you'll see a different team. And it gives him a bit of like you can write off the first few weeks because well they're not fit. <laughs> to, well, to get what I mean. The previous oh. game, we all said that they looked really unfit, and I think that was a that was a fair comment to make. I think the the, the difference here is I think we we've got Michael O'Neill fit, and we've got you know Alex Neil fit. God, you, you have to be careful with them names too close together. But either way, you know you've you've got both of them, and I think the different things. O'Neill's game was never about constant high pressure. Alex Neal seems to be about constant high pressure. So obviously for the players to do that for good 90 minutes, the chances are that, yeah, they're probably nowhere near fit enough to go and do that. And that is going to take time. So I think it depends on the context for me. Um, I said to you last week that the players should be fitter. They should be able to run for 90 minutes, really. They, they should be in that situation, whether that's running up a hill or whatever the heck you want to go up purely style then fine um but there's no team that should not be fit to start a season uh you know six games in we shouldn't be talking about players not being fit enough that should not be happening but again yeah. is the alex neil fit this is what i'm trying to say it's just not maybe not fit enough for him how he wants to play yeah it's so could that explain why we were a bit you know why the second half we dropped off massively because they played midweek and they were tiring towards the end and then they've had another game like four days later, and then you know, and then you know, I know, I know, these travelling luxury and whatever, but still, it's a decent journey down there for a midday kickoff. Yeah. And then obviously they've had to, from the first minute they're behind, so they've had a whole forty-five minutes of trying to get themselves back level, do that, and then go behind again after half time, where the where the tanks just a bit empty because of the, all them things combined. Um, quite, quite possibly, mate. I mean, you do question again, though, with multiple games and everything coming up. That are we only are we only actually able to get fit by playing all these games? Because we're not seeming to have much time in training. I mean, again, in training during the season, you're thinking about tactics and improving on the previous game and stuff like that. You shouldn't be worrying about trying to get players fit. That's the whole you know point what, of preseason. One massive thing, though, it might explain is all the injuries we get. If these players aren't in peak fitness, 
then they they are a lot more likely to pick up these injuries, aren't they? And these muscle yeah. injuries and everything else, because obviously you your venture into the red zone, as they call us, is a lot sooner than if you are fully fit. And it's interesting that Nick Powell's full season where he hardly missed a game was when obviously Nathan Jones started the season as manager, didn't he? And he said that Nathan Jones had got him as fit as he'd ever been. He'd got him working in the gym and that anti and everything and really, you know, he'd never felt as fit. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the following season, he picked up injuries and then there was obviously, you know, last season he wrote off most of the season. And you wonder, is that, Steve, of, of all the things Nathan Jones did, did he get him fit? To do, you know, did he get him that fit? Yeah. Um, Possibly, mate. There's, there's probably something in it, isn't there? I mean, uh, the, I think remember reminds me of, of Hughes when he came in. The first thing he did was grab a ball, wasn't it? First session. Like, obviously, if you compare that to a Tony Pulis, whether they didn't get a ball out for days or weeks, um, you know, it, it's two different styles and two different approaches. But maybe there is something to say for you know, spending time on fitness and then bringing in the football afterwards. I guess everyone's different, but um, yeah, I think we've kind of made the point on the whole uh, fitness side. I think we've we've all acknowledged that. Um, I think one thing I wanted to do um, as well, so uh, Matt from the Alms Park Royal gave uh, his kind of post-match thoughts. So it'd be very interesting to see whether he agrees with us or not on some of these points, Dan. So uh, let's have a quick listen to what he had to say. Matt Lansley from the Elm Park Royals podcast reviewing the Reading v Stoke match at the weekend. Um, Reading came into this obviously off a 4-0 away defeat to Sheffield United. Um, A solid start was kind of imperative. You know, don't give any chances away. Just you'd almost want to keep it at 0-0 or, you know, have a fast start. I don't think any fans expected to be 1-0 up after two minutes. Um, It was a Goal, to be honest, that Reading have conceded seemingly far too many times in the past few years. I can feel every Stoke fan's pain watching that, but a calamity of errors at the back. As a Reading fan, I don't think any any fan would have cared how we got, how we took the lead. But to start two nil up, Lucas uh, one nil up. Sorry, after two minutes, Lucas Yao with the goal. It couldn't have started any better. Slightly fortuitous, possibly, but. You know, when you're coming off 4-0, 4-0 away loss, it doesn't really matter. Um, I think the, the rest of the game, it, well, the rest of the first half definitely was quite a non-event. Reading sitting deep, allowing Stoke all the ball. I think, you know, they probably had 70, 75% possession, Stoke, in the first half, but struggled really to create anything. Um, Shane Long almost having, well, definitely having the best chance probably of the remainder of the first half with a miss from four yards. How he didn't score that, I don't quite know. But then you obviously get um, a Wilmot goal from a corner. Um, Flint completely and utterly bullying Tom Holmes at the back post, really nodding it down and um, obviously getting a deflection. It's probably, it was a goal that Shane Long probably should have scored 10 minutes before, just getting a shot on target from that sort of distance. You never know what's going to happen. Um, but then the second half comes about Lucas Yao just shows his quality, the way he jinks the ball to win a penalty. Um, he then just does what Lucas Shaw does, puts away the penalty 2-1. Um, and really, it was very much like the first half I felt the rest rest of the game. It was non-event, Reading sitting deep, Stoke having the ball, but struggling to really create anything. Um, in all honesty, um, you had uh, probably a penalty 
not given for Reading. That was probably the only decision really I'd probably look at that probably should have been given. You had Sam Klukas, or Klukas obviously, sorry, um, going through the back of Yeardom on the edge of the box. And then also it looked like almost standing on him. It looks intentional. Is he Was he lucky to still be on the pitch? Quite possibly, in my opinion. It'd be interesting to hear your guys' thoughts on it. Um, and really the, the last mention of 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 the, of the video or of the audio clip really was for for Tom Ince, a player that obviously Stoke fans are probably all too familiar with for the wrong reasons. But so far at Reading, I don't think any fan can really have any complaints about his work rate or his commitment to Reading FC. It's something I don't think many fans expected since he's come in. But since he came in from January, he really has been second to none and proved it yesterday. I think did he have a point to prove? Maybe, but when you're winning man of the match against a, a teammate who's got two goals and you've got no goals, it says something. You know, the boy absolutely runs his socks off and has been fantastic for Reading. Again, be interesting to hear your guys' opinions on that. On, from a Stoke point of view, Alex Neal, what does he do from here? He's got a mammoth job on his hands. So as previous managers, you know, you've had some good managers in the past in the likes of Nathan Jones, um, Gary Rowett, who haven't been able to turn Stoke around. Will Alex Neal? That's the big question, isn't it? Be interesting to hear you guys' thoughts and uh, come on, you ours. Lovely. Thank you, Matt. Uh, much appreciated, mate. Always good to get your thoughts as well. Yeah, um, just one thing I want to say. Obviously, I just slightly got that wrong as well, um, Mike. It, Nick Powell's season, when he played the majority of it, was it was Michael O'Neill's first full season. So O'Neill would have been the one to get him fit. But he did, you know, his comments around to be the fittest he was, still coincided with him playing the most games. And obviously, there's been a drop-off in the intensity work around the fitness and that, and that's resulted in him getting a lot more injuries last season. Yeah, 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 I'd say quite quite possibly, mate. Um, cool. So, yeah, just picking up on a couple of things that, that Matt share, uh, kind of said there. I mean, uh, he clearly shared um, our surprise with the opening goal, but... Uh, I think, like Matt kind of said, mate, you know, you'll you'll take a goal however they come. Uh, I wonder how many people missed the first goal coming late into the st- stadium. I know they would if they were trying to get into our stadium right now, but we'll, we'll talk about that shortly. Um, Lucas Jow was somebody, obviously, that he, he mentioned, mate, and this was actually somebody that you picked up on the other week in terms of players that you would have liked us to go out and kind of um, sign, and it, it looks like you were kind of spot on with your assessment of him. Yeah, he's he is one of my favourite strikers in this division. I think he's got he's got pace, power, finishes well. A bit of a you know, he's a nuisance. He reminds me of a more composed sort of he's somewhere between Adi Akinbay and Ricardo Fuller. He hasn't got the <laughs> skill of Rick, but he's probably got the finishing and the finesse, but he's got the hustle and the bustle of Adi Akinbay, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. And um, one of the things you mentioned as well is about Tom Ince. Now, <laughs> it's it's funny because I think obviously the, the preview um, last week that we got on this was that Tom Ince was the shining light of their team. And you kind of turn around and think, no chance, not not that Tom Ince, no way at all. The guy who had one match where he only had one pass in his entire game before being subbed <laughs> off, it's like no way uh, is that is that the case. And yeah, as you know, as kind of Matt said, you know. They kind of expected him to to, to kind of do well, and the, the guy gonna got man of the match. I think he was first. I can't remember the thing that Sky Sports showed, but I think he was top of 
that list for everything, you know, pace, dribbles, and all that normal stuff. I mean, clearly, having, you know, his dad as manager, maybe he needs a bit of an arm around, a bit of a cuddle after a game, and it's it's doing him some good. But we, we just knew he was going to come back and haunt us, didn't we? Oh, yeah. It was like a different player, wasn't he? <laughs> I mean, you say he got, he got man of the match with Sky. He got 6% of our man of the match poll. He wasn't even put on there. Says everything, doesn't it? But, yeah, um, I don't know, what, don't know what's happened to the guy, but you know what, whatever. So, um, moving on, Dan, man of the match polls. Um, I mean, there wasn't exactly many people to shout about on this particular one, but uh, what were the kind of leading fronts? I mean, you mentioned Tom Entz got well, 6 or 8%. <laughs> who else actually got... Um, who, who did well for us, please, Dan? <laughs> so, the man of the match for us was Ben Wilmot, got 13% of the vote. Um, Will Smallbone got 5%, and in third place with 2%, was Klukas and Fox. <laughs> Does Klukas been voting for himself again? So you might worry, you might wonder, well, hang on a minute. That only adds up to 22%. So where's the other 78? <laughs> well, would you like some, would you like a laugh? Yeah, go on. So 6% for Tomins. The Bull got 2%. <laughs> okay. The, the pre-match interview was 1%. <laughs> okay. Um, the fans for leaving at 7am they got 9% yeah good and then the overall winner with 56% of the vote was they were all awful <laughs> oh wow and just to put out we don't actually put these topics in people add nope. them in themselves um, yep. but, but what about Stuart and Block 9 didn't he, didn't he get a shout out either this he, week? He, must, he only home games Oh, only home games. Okay, fair enough. Um, God, it says everything about the man of the match poll for this week, doesn't it? Okay. <laughs> um. So, moving on, I think we've kind of done that uh, match to death at this point. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, Dan. Now this is slightly off topic in a way. So, I was going to mention the traffic. Now, obviously, this is on about the the England women's team that we had uh, at the stadium on Tuesday. Now, obviously, originally. I read that the council had arranged all the parking and all this business, and it turns out, or at least it seems, that the council of today passed the book and said that it was Stoke City that were responsible for all the travel and um, and all that side of things. Now, whoever was responsible for it, I think it's safe to say that there won't be any events like that coming our way again anytime soon. I had a two-hour delay. I don't know about you, mate, but in terms of how your tr- you know, trip went, but I had a two-hour two delays to get away from the stadium again. Um, you know, I, I just don't know what it is with that ground. It's like it, the whole place comes to a standstill. A, a bloody dreadful. I mean, the, the amount of people there was. Um, in fact, I'll bring the screenshot up. I did it the other day, and I saw it. And yeah, so it was some post. Now the England women's game, hundred and fifty pounds on a hotel, seventy pound on dinner, forty pound on football tickets, eight pound for a park and ride. Yet we're in the hotel car park as, the, as there's no buzzies anywhere to be seen. Thousands of supporters left waiting, and that's why there's an empty stadium. And this was, um, well, this was kind of just before the match kicked off, and there was tons in that line. It was a pretty much a definition of a shambles, wouldn't you say? 100%. Uh, like I say, I don't know who's got the council passing the book to Stoke. Stoke have yet to comment, I believe. Yeah, not really come forward with any sort of explanation on their, you know, on their part or their feelings on it. But it comes to kick off, and I was like, for a sellout, it seems to be an awful lot of 
empty seats around. I don't know what's you know, what's going on here. And then, like I say, I mean, it's a shambles getting in and out of that stadium at the best of place because of where it is. Yeah. And the traffic management's always been an issue. So when you, you know, when it's a 30,000 um, capacity crowd and a lot of them are coming in from outside the area, not going to know the stadium, they're going to be coming in cars, there's families that... And then you, you want to stick a park and ride on that, that you don't really, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not something that I believe we are usually involved in. It's not something that usually... I've never heard of it. No. So all of a sudden it's like, I mean, and that was another interesting thing I saw. I mean, I don't, I'm only going off what I've read, but I believe that the, it was said on the news, on the BBC News tonight, that... The um, Trentham Gardens gave them a thousand free car parking spaces. Oh, so right. why would they be? Why would people being charged eight pounds to park? Yeah, because of a couple of buzzes. I mean, geez, okay, right. So yeah, where's that money going? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'm sure it'll all come out of the wash bait, but yeah, it's it's. I, I did just hear so many stories of families. Know from I think one was in Dart from Derby and there's people further afield just saying that they'd literally wasted hours of time, they wasted money, they had kids who were upset, you know, a chance to go and see their first England match. Um, I mean, there was obviously a large, you know, uh, kid presence in the stadium. Luckily, at least most, I'd say, well, I'll say most, a lot managed to get there, but it's, it's just, but it just doesn't make us forget, look good. Let's not forget when you say that, you know, seeing England and, and you know, seeing them for the first time, this is. This is the European champions. This is their homecoming, isn't it? The year they like these two games. Yeah. It isn't just oh well, wanting to watch England play. This yeah, this is an you know an England team, first England team that's won anything, male or female, since nineteen sixty six. Yeah, and let's be honest, babe, it's, it's not going it's not going to come back to Stoke. So those children in the local area, or even maybe you know the Midlands or whatever wherever they come from. If they next play, I think it's Brighton, I think the women's team play, no one's going to go down to Brighton to go and watch that match from these from these locations. So those kids may not see Stoke versus England. Oh, sorry, Stoke versus England. So they won't see that. They, they won't see an England game again, potentially, until they're much, much older. It just takes away opportunity, mate. And it's just a shame that the, the thing that's blocked it is our bloody traffic management again. It, yeah, we could go on forever with this, but I'd be interested to see who is actually responsible for it, uh, whether yeah. it's, you know, the obviously Stoke or whether it's the council. Obviously, we've got a supporters council meeting with the club uh, coming up shortly. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll see if we can get an answer to that, but I'm sure it'll come out. Um, anyway, back onto Stoke. Um, a certain player finally going, Mr. Etebo. I mean, it's not official gone yet, I don't think, at the time of recording this, but... Um, I mean, I, I think he's the one remaining legacy contract that I think we might have from the original um, overspend that we did. So, I mean, I, I gave my thoughts on this last week, Dan, so I'm keen to get yours, mate. But um, I'm just glad to see him gone. He clearly didn't have an appetite to play for us, didn't care less, wanted the money. And as soon as times got hard, he was off. Um, so I don't really care less. Just want to see him gone. Are you particularly bothered? I know there's a few callings for him to try and force his way into this midfield? It's, he's, he's another frustrating and annoying one, isn't it? Because him in that midfield obviously improves it on an ability-wise. He's potentially, yeah, him and Nick, imagine him and Nick Powell and Luis Baker in the midfield three. 
you know, no, no offense to the, you know, Jordan Thompson, Josh Laurent, whatever, but yeah, you you'd imagine you could dominate any game from the midfield with those three, couldn't you? But his attitude obviously just isn't right because this isn't the first. You know, Michael O'Neill came in, and you know, Gary Rowett didn't really use him that much. If you think back, you know, he came in and he didn't. He started the season, then he dropped him, then he came in, and then he got sent off at home to was it home to Derby? He got sent off. Long into Stoke Red. He went in with a high challenge, didn't he? Yeah, trying to remember. Straight red. They were playing and in white, that, so it might have been Derby, yeah. Yeah, and then after that, I think that was in like November. After that, Rowett never played him again. May brought him on as a late sub a couple of times just before he got the sack, but so he didn't really trust him much. I think the only manager out of all of them who's played him consistently is Nathan Jones. And look what happened there. <laughs> he won about three games out of about 30, didn't he? So there's obviously, you know, the attitude of him, he, he's done something because the ability's there and any manager in his right mind would use him if there wasn't other issues. So I'm quite happy to, you know, say that he's obviously done or said or acted in a way that has, you know, annoyed multiple managers going forward or yeah. he's put a black stain against his name that's been passed on to a new manager. You know, you don't want him anyway. You need to, you know, he's a bad egg or whatever. Causes yeah. trouble or, you know, you know, he, he, or, you know, it upsets the apple cart him being around there. And it might not even be him. It might be his agent that just kicked a fuss up and he's just doing as he's told. And it's, but either way, he's, he's going to Aris Thessalonica, I believe. In Greece, their transfer window is open till the 15th of September, and it's just draw a line under it. Good player or not, just draw a line under it, get rid, and let's move on. Yeah, we've had enough bad apples at this club. Don't want any more, thank you. Um, okay, lovely. Um, and then moving on to our last two kind of couple of things. So, um, kind of under 18s, under 21s in a minute, but uh. Lou Roberts, the lovely Lou Roberts, has been in touch as well again. So thanks, Lou. Uh, she was going to give us a bit of a catch up on the uh, the ladies this week. I think they had a nice win on on the cards and um, a hefty win for the reserve team. So let's get a little bit more detail from Lou. Hi guys, Lou Roberts, Stoke City Women's First Team coach. The last time we spoke, the first team had just come off back to back losses, which for us was a really disappointing few days. So it was important Sunday we went on to secure all three points, just to settle back into the season a little bit. We hosted Brighouse Town at home. Brighouse had just got promotion to the National League last season, but really quickly proved that they were good enough to compete at this level. They caused upsets against the best teams in the league, so we knew we were in for a competition Sunday. Last season, we were fortunate enough to not fall victim to their quality. We come away with four out of six points, two hard-fought fixtures, and we knew Sunday was going to be no different. The three points managed to stay in the potteries, though, after a 1-0 win. An early set-piece was met by Meg Bowyer in the air to power home after two minutes. We did create multiple more chances throughout the game, dominated large spells, and were probably unfortunate not to convert a couple of those, which had definitely made those last 15 minutes a little bit more bearable. With the first team back to winning ways, it was now time to turn our focus to the reserve team. It was their first fixture of their National League season. They just made the short journey down to Sporting Calcer and came out 6-1 winners. Goals from Liz Hatton, Shauna McCann, Sophie Garrett and a hat-trick for Nula, which was her second in two weeks. So a great weekend all round for both teams. After Sunday's excitement, it was then all eyes on the Lionesses fixture Tuesday evening. 
it was a pleasure to have the national team in European champions in Stoke-on-Trent, but even more so at the Bet365 to finish off their World Cup qualifiers. I hope that anybody that went to the game had a great night and enjoyed it and were visiting us soon at the Emirates Stadium for a home fixture. Next up, we have a big weekend of cup fixtures starting our League Cup campaign. The first team make a short journey south to Boldmere, while the reserve team will host Sporting Council this Sunday. Both teams are training really well. Um, they're looking forward to Sunday, nice and positive, and we'll both be looking to make sure we're in the hat for the next round come four o'clock on Sunday. Have a great week, guys. Up the mighty parters. Lou, lovely. Thank you again. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I'd agree. Uh, you know, you mentioned about the England women's team there. It was a really good night, mate. And, uh, you know, for, for the Stoke City ladies, obviously all the best in the cup this weekend. I'm sure we'll catch up with you next week in terms of um, how that's gone. Hopefully, you know, another another win on the cards with a little bit of luck. Um, Dan, under 18s, under 21s, mate. How's the, How's it been this week? Right, so the under-21s, there was no game for them this past week. Uh, but this week, they've got an away game at Nottingham Forest. It kicks off at 7pm on Friday. So if you're listening to this on release day, it'll be 7pm tonight. If you're listening to it from Saturday onwards, the game's already been played. <laughs> um, they were also actually they were due to play Dinamo Zagreb at home on Tuesday, but that's actually postponed, so that'll be rearranged. That's and an that, interesting um, fixture. Yes, yeah, so that's in the Premier League International Cup. So, uh, obviously, due to our high academy status, we got invited into that. So, there's about four or five games, I believe. Um, they're all home games against different sides from over Europe. And they're going to be spread over like, between now and Christmas, I believe. So, yeah, they'll um, be interesting. I think they're all being played at the Bet365 Stadium as well. And then I think, uh, yeah, so the English sides are all at home and the the European sides are all uh, going to be travelling into England, so we don't actually do any away matches. And then I think there's like so many groups, and it goes into like a knockout after that. So yeah, it'd be a good experience for the uh, the under twenty ones, if nothing else, won't it? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether we can actually go and watch any of that, or whether it's behind yeah. closed doors. So I assume yeah, yeah, it's all going to. They said it was all going to be available for people to go watch. Okay, okay. Well, that's probably a good one to hit the the little man along to then potentially so uh yeah, all right. so, uh, like i say i think you know the cream of europe because obviously you know these are going to be like some of the top academies in europe different styles different, and maybe even learn things from a coaching perspective and stuff as well you know meet, so it's um yeah going to be interesting i mean sporting braga they are coming in october uh hertha berlin they're coming in november wow and then Paris Saint-Germain, we're playing them in December. <laughs> wow, oh, I think I'll be uh, going to watch that one. That should be interesting. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Hopefully, you know, we can get a couple of wins and maybe prolong it as well, get into the knockout stages. That'd be good. But yes, moving on to the under-18s, they lost 2-1 away at Ipswich in the their first Premier League Cup group stage game. Uh, the goal was scored by none other than Nathan Lowe making quite a habit for scoring goals, isn't he? I mentioned him last week as well. Yeah. And uh, getting goals for the under-18s and under-21s. Um, due to their good start to the league season, they are fifth in the league, uh, but they do not have a game this week. Okay. Would you like me to tell you about some low knees now the transfer window's shut? Yes, please. Okay. So, I mean, Andy's not with us today, but he did travel all the way to Hillsborough on Saturday 
as we didn't as we didn't have a game to go and watch Tom Edwards, didn't he? Uh, because yep. Tom Edwards has signed, he's come back from New York Red Bulls and he has signed for Barnsley on loan for the rest of the season. Now, for those calling for him to go into the squad, uh, Alex Neal has said that he doesn't know enough about him, he hasn't seen enough of him, so that's why he's recalled him to England, send him to Barnsley where he can go and watch him more easily and he's more in tune with the English game so he knows that when he returns to us for next season, then, you know, it's 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 a move that um that he's in obviously he wants his back he wants him back with us next season basically. But he wants to have a good look at him between now and then. And I believe there is a clause in the deal that says we can recall him in January if we want to. Okay. So I think it probably maybe that's the plan, mate. Give him yeah. a few months and then call him in Jan. Okay. So I did so, yeah, I did say, obviously, Andy went to watch him at Hillsborough. Barnsley were playing Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't get on. He was an unused substitute. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, but, yeah, I think Andy did say he met, he met up with him after the game. Then he had a photo with him and that, and he told him he'd travelled up from Stoke. I think Tom was a bit a bit like taken aback by that. I'm like, what? You've travelled from Stoke? Just watch me. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but we'll have to send him on another scouting mission, won't we? When he's when he's in the when he's broken into the team. Yeah. Um, so other players, Liam McCarran has signed on loan at Port Vale. Didn't quite go down very well that one. <laughs> no, I'm surprised. Uh, to me, I think it's it's fine. Get him in there. Um, again, he's close to home, so it's easy to keep an eye on him. He can probably train with us if we wanted to do you know one two days a week. If you know if there's an agreement with Port Vale there, so we get to have a good close look at him, and yeah, and then obviously he's gone. He's injured at the minute, so he didn't play last weekend because he's still carrying the injury that's kept him out of our game so far as well. Um, but obviously, yeah, they've, they've looked at him. They've said he, he obviously needs some game time. What is he? Twenty one. I don't yeah, he's think really he's played yeah. much. I don't think he's played much professional like level football at all. So. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to do him any harm, is it? Lewis Macari, he's at Dundalk, and he's actually started 25 of their last 26 games. Uh, the only one he missed was a cup game against a lower lower league opposition where they changed a lot of the side around. So he really is like you know one of the main players there. We've had a couple of updates, haven't we, from uh, the guy at the local paper in Dundalk, and he can't say well enough about him. Um, right back, centre back. He's he's playing both positions and he's doing he's really contributing to a solid season for Dundalk as well. They're flirting, you know, second and third in the league, and I think they're into the last is he the quarterfinals or the semi-finals of the cup as well. So you know he's doing really well, and they're looking at their games as well. A lot of them are like one-nil wins, so he's you know they've built on a solid defence. So he could be another option as well. I'll talk about Tom Edwards at right back. It could be Lewis McCarry breaking into the team come January. So there's three. Now there's some more. So David Okagbu, he is a Irish youth international, very highly rated in our under-21 setup. Obviously come through the East gone to Oldham. Uh, he went straight into the team and played 90 minutes uh, the day after signing for them, but they did lose 2-0 to Chesterfield. Yeah, so Eddie Jones and Dan Malone, the Welsh pair, have gone to Altrincham. Now, Altrincham are struggling right down the bottom. They're 23rd in the National League. 
And he had a bit of a baptism of fire. So they played away at Solihull Moors, who are one of the favourites for promotion. Uh, currently up there in fourth position in the National League, Solihull are. And uh, they run up 5-1 winners in that game. Cool. So Eddie Jones came in, played the full game at left-back, whilst Dan Malone was an unused sub. Um, so I don't know which one of those two might be happier with that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Dan was happier just to uh, wash his hands of that 5-1 defeat and say, no, I can come in though. <laughs> um, Will Goodwin, he had a couple of loan spells out, didn't he, last year? Well, he's yep. been at Torquay. He signed for Torquay on loan in the summer. Uh, he's played seven games and actually last weekend he scored the winner in a 2-1 win and it was his, that was his first goal since he's moved there. So he's opened his account for them. Let's hope he can get a few more goals now. Tashan Oakley-Booth is at Lincoln. God, I forgot so, about him. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about him as well. So he's, he's made 10 appearances. Uh, no goals, but he has had one assist. So he started off out the side, but he has now started the last four games for Lincoln. So he's obviously you know fought his way into the side. Um, rejected that low move to Burton last year, so he may have been six months further down the line with this by now. Might see if he'd have gone there, but he's gone to Lincoln. He's got twelve months there, and he's like I say, he's battled his way into the team. Didn't start there. Now he is. So let's hope he can kick on and uh, develop himself and come back to us a better player. Yeah, hope so, mate, because he's kind of just been a bit of a flop at the minute. So I think we yeah. need to see what he's capable of. Is he good enough or isn't he? Or isn't he? he is. And that one man who I thought was good enough, um, we gave him an extension, then we loaned him out, was Mario Vrancic. Remember him? <laughs> oh, yeah. Could have done with his creativity so far this season, couldn't we? Mm. Um, so he's at Rijeka. Um, and he's played seven appearances, including one in the Europa Conference League. And um, so far, he's not really done a lot. He hasn't scored. I think he's got one assist. Uh, but the team themselves are eight games without a win. So they're really struggling now. And then the 10th and final player we have out on loan is Douglas Taylor. So he went to Warsaw in the summer. And he's had to be quite patient, really, to be honest, for game time. So, so far this season, he's played a whole 17 minutes of League Two action which was all on the opening day of the season. So he has made three further appearances in the Cup, so like the, the League Cup on the League Cup and one in the Football League Trophy, where he's managed to get 124 minutes of action. Um, but Walsall themselves have gone seven games without a win, and he hasn't played during that time. And the four games that he has played, they won a couple of them. So you hope really that he's going to maybe get an opportunity, because it looks like... He's obviously, you know, he's got, he's got a decent, a better record than most <laughs> in that team at the minute. Um, but yeah, thanks for looking into that, mate. Some yeah, good, a, good was, detail there. Long, <laughs> yeah, it was it was a long, a long one, and uh, don't worry, don't worry, folks. You're not going to get that every week. We're gonna we're gonna go back to what we were trying to do last season, and maybe just pick a different player every week and get some sort of feedback um, from you know the people who are watching them week in week out on these loan deal on these loan moves. And uh, yeah, hopefully get like say some updates. Yeah, no, thank you, mate. Like I say, it's one of them that we've had a lot of movement around in the preseason and stuff like that. So I think it's good to just summarise because I think a lot of people, unfortunately, you know, you can't really follow the you know the youth team that well. Um, it's not very well publicised in my opinion. So yeah, it's I think it's good for people to hear. So yeah, cheers for that, mate. 
Um, and that pretty much uh, ties up those little bits. So uh, what we'll do now is uh, the bit we all love to look forward to. Uh, we'll obviously look forward to Luton this weekend. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, the return of the chess-beating prima donna, that is uh, Nathan Jones, uh, returns back to the uh, the Bet365, who, funny enough, has tonight actually been linked with the uh, Brighton management position, which is interesting. Oh, um, yeah. I was going to mention that. He's also, you know, he's also the third favourite for the Bournemouth job. Behind <laughs> behind Gary O'Neill and um, Sean Dyche. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah. Be interesting to see if that has any bearings on the result. I've got a feeling it probably won't do unless anything pretty solid comes out between now and the match. But um... we are Wednesday night now. Obviously, Thomas Tuchel was only Tuchel Tuchel, whatever. He was sacked this morning, and straight away they were in for Graham Potter, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Now, Nathan Jones has got a history with Brighton. I believe, wasn't he coaching there when he first started? Didn't he play in his career there, maybe? I know he's, there's definitely some sort of link between Brighton and him. Now, okay. now you've said he's been linked with that job. And I just, yeah, you just imagine the Luton fans, he's doing it again. He's going again. <laughs> <laughs> just as they, you know, just as they actually get. I mean, to be fair, I think Jones is just made for for Luton. Um, it just feels that way. So, yeah, um, it'll be interesting yeah. to see how that one pans out, mate. But I think they will be gutted to see him go <laughs> again. And I'm not quite sure there's a way back for him if he goes again, is there? <laughs> I wouldn't say so. So yeah, it says here, July 2013, Jones joined Brighton and Albion, filling the position of assistant head coach working under Oscar Garcia. Following Oscar's departure and the appointment of Sammy Hoopier, changed his role to become Brighton's first-team coach. After Hibby's resignation, Jones was appointed as caretaker manager until Chris Hutton took charge nine days later. Then he moved back to moved back to his role as assistant manager. Okay, so he's got form. So, yeah, we, we might end up not seeing him back at uh, the Bet365 of the weekend <laughs> then. Well, uh, I don't think anyone will be disappointed by that, to be honest, but... Um... Yeah, anyway, now this is where I'd normally offer to let Andy do his stats first and you you know, you go second or whatever, but we don't have to worry about that this week, mate. So the the stats is all on your shoulders. So uh, give us a bit of information ahead of Luton, mate. Right, Andy, I'm going to hope that I'm going to do us both proud here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so this season, um, Stoke City have been having 49.9% possession in games. Luton 42.3, which is quite low. So obviously, you'd, it looks like they are quite happy for the opposition to have the ball this season. Um, they average nearly 23 aerial wins, uh, aerial successes per game, whereas Stokes is 21 and a half. So not much difference there. We're both equally adept in the in the air, would I say? Uh, but we have had 16 yellow cards compared to Luton's seven. So oh. we're disappointed. 
Yes. Our discipline's not great. On that one, by the way, Lewis Baker is one yellow card off his suspension. Great. Yes. Wonderful. <laughs> um, okay, so Alex Neal will equal his longest wait for his first win at a new club if we don't beat Luton. He won his first games in charge at Hamilton, Norwich and Preston, but took four games to get his first win as Sunderland manager. However, there is a ray of light within that statistic because he started at Sunderland with a 1-1 draw. Then his second game was a 2-1 loss. Does this all sound familiar, Michael? <laughs> it does, yeah. He then followed that with 16 games unbeaten and promotion. <laughs> oh, there we go. It's in the stars. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so Alex Neal when he's against Nathan Jones's teams, he has two wins, two defeats, and a draw. Alex Neal against Luton, he has a win, a draw, and two defeats. Um, obviously, Nathan Jones as a manager versus Stoke, he has the solitary win, which came at the Bet Two Six Five Stadium last season, and three defeats. Uh, one player that we are hoping to get back out on the pitch is Nick Powell. He has played Luton five times in his career. He has three wins and also three goals in those five career appearances. I seem to remember Nick Powell um, giving Nathan Jones a bit of stick during those goals as well. Well, when you said chest-thumping prima donna, I wondered which way you were going. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were about Nick. Yeah, I must admit, everyone will love that. And it's it's the equivalent of Sam Klukas running the pitch against Swansea, isn't it? It's that yeah. that level of because um, they clearly didn't get on. No, they obviously no, didn't at all, did they? Head to head record. So we played forty eight, one twenty one, drew fifteen, lost twelve. Uh, that's all time against Luton. Um, and last season, Luton's win was our first loss in twelve games dating back to two thousand. Won eight and drew three of the eleven before that, so we have got a good record against Luton. You know, I know we lost the last game, but other than that, you know, you go back, go back twenty years to the last time they beat us. Um, points per game, right? So we're, we're currently on eight points. If we lose, it'll be our third worst start to a season since nineteen eighty nine. Oh, okay. So we had seven points. Um, after nine games in 2008, but obviously that was our first season in the Premier League, so you can accept that a bit, can't you? You aren't going to be getting like masses of points. Sure. And then obviously we had two points in Nathan Jones's season in charge after this many games as well. So yes, those are the only two where we have less than eight points. So yes, we could do without losing on Saturday for that reason as well. We could need to pick up some points, don't we? Because I think we've been relegated more than once in that time <laughs> with obviously yeah. better starts than we're having now. Um, if we compare the fixtures last season, we are still a point worse off, same as we were last week. Because obviously we lost to Reading, but we lost to Reading last year. And this game was also a loss last year, so we can't get any worse down that <laughs> table. I'm uh, going to end with one Tyrese Campbell statistic for you. If he okay. starts, it is only the second time in this calendar year that he has done that he has started back-to-back games. Okay. Well. The last time was Birmingham when he scored two goals, including a lovely Ricardo Fuller-esque uh, dribble and finish from the left wing for the right wing. 
and Luton Town at home. <laughs> okay, that was so, in February. So that's the only other time he started two games in a row was February. So what you're saying is Nick Powell and Tyrese Campbell will make us win 3 0 because they both get two and one goalage. Yes. So do you know the last time he started back to back games as a centre forward? One. Either side of the COVID break in twenty twenty. Oh wow. That was the last time Tyrese Campbell played two games in a row up front for Stoke. Nice. Good stats as always, mate. Uh, I'm sure Andy would be proud of you. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well done there, mate. Now, before we uh, move on to uh, some other little bits, let's have some back-to-back audio. So firstly, we'll catch up with Ian from the We All Luton podcast. So uh, we'll catch up with him uh, initially, and then we'll get straight into Graham McGarry's prediction. Uh, I think he may have gone for a Stoke win, if I remember rightly. So uh, hopefully he can be a little bit closer this time. So let's have a quick listen to what they both had to say. Hi, it's Ian Robertson from We Are Luton Town. Obviously, we've had a bit of a a mixed start to the season. We've had a couple of wins in Wales, but apart from that, we've not really had much joy. Performances, on the whole, haven't been horrific. Um, We're just a little bit disjointed at the moment. We've had a lot of injuries, a bit of a disjointed pre-season as well. We've cancelled flights and a couple of weeks less than everybody else. Without using that as excuses, it hasn't helped really. Um, nothing to worry about though. I still think we'll be top half this season once we get going a little bit and everyone starts getting a little bit more rhythm. Um, we'll see where we are you know, in the next five or six games, but hopefully we'll start going up the table a little bit. Uh, you guys, obviously, you haven't had a good start. I know Neil's gone. Um, something that I predicted at the beginning of the season. I just think, you know, while he studied the ship for you guys, I don't think he's the, he's the right person to take you on from that. Um, he's obviously helped steady finances and wages and stuff like that. Um, and wasn't horrific for you guys, but at the same time, he didn't really progress you on the field, really. Um, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, your new manager copes with that. He did a good job at Sunderland and... You know, he really managed the expectations of the Sunderland fans and 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 the players that were there to try and get the best out of them. And I think you know that's the kind of manager that you guys need. Obviously, there's a lot of expectation at Stoke, uh, ex Premier League club. Obviously, you were there for a lot of years and you've had lots of success in terms of that. But um, I think he's the type you need now, and and hopefully for you guys, obviously, uh, he does well. Um, Difficult to kind of give a prediction on this one. It could kind of go either way for both teams, couldn't it? Depending on on the form on the day, um, I would take a draw. It's always a tough place to go. Um, I know we got a win there last year, but I'd take a draw as it stands today, and then we can move on from there. Really, uh, I'm guessing you guys would do the same. Um, Going to be a tough game. Obviously, you're probably a bit wounded from the other night. Uh, we're wounded from Wigan, so and there's always that little bit of bite between the fans. So it'll be great. Um, and hopefully, uh, you know, after that we can we can move on. But yeah, thanks for having us on, and uh, good luck after after Saturday. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Hello there, you Potters predictors. This is Graham McGarry once again, looking ahead to the weekend's fixture for Stoke City, and of course Alex Neal. Luton Town and the visitors. You don't need reminding who's coming along to the bet three six five. Yes, he's back, Nathan Jones. Well, can Alex Neal come and get those three points? He's desperate to try and get back on winning ways after a disappointing outcome against Reading, of course. 
perhaps on another day they might have brought something back, but it wasn't to be for Stoker. They'll be hoping now that Nick Powell has that full week of training, that he can have a big input into this game coming up against Luton Town. Luton Town not started like they did last season, so on paper it looks to be a, a fixture that Stoke City can possibly get those three points from. They need to get them, they need to gel, they need to click, and they need the fans behind them. So come on, you Potters fans, let's get those predictions on a positive note. Stoke City 2, Luton Town 0. Ian, thank you very much, firstly. So, uh, yeah, I think you kind of echo my thoughts, really, mate. I think it's going to be a, a closely fought, really hard one to call. Um, so thanks, Ian. We'll, we'll catch up with you after the match. Um, obviously, of the next pod, and we'll see here, uh, see how close we, we all were. Um, and Graham, I think uh, you said two two nil um, Stoke win. Um, Dan, what's your kind of predictions for this game? Are you uh, going to be a, a cop out and go with Graham for his prediction, or have you got your own? <laughs> I'm going to go for I think three one. Three one. You're seeing goals, are you, mate? And who's yeah. creating these goals? I think the the there's still quite a few players in that squad who get, um, how shall we say, they get, their levels will increase due to the man in the opposition dugout. Which I don't know what that says about why they don't play that every week. Why it takes, <laughs> but I think they'll be definitely be up for it. And the return of Nick Powell, he's going to play. And yes, even though I haven't technically got him in my start at 11, He'll come off the bench and change the game if he needs to. I was going to say, who who is in your starting eleven then? So, um, I've gone for Joe Basic in goal. Oh, we're changing it. Yes, we're making the change and we're sticking with Joe. Uh, a man who we haven't really mentioned on this pod, uh, Sterling, is going to play right back. Uh, Morgan Fox is going to play left back. And then Ben Wilmot and Aidan Flint are my centre-halves. So Aidan Flint, he's still decent in the air. Um, he had a bit of a emergency with the first goal, but we haven't really got much else at the minute. Connor oh, Taylor, yeah. I think with Sterling in there and Wilmot's quite young, basically, I think Flint as an older head would just be quite valuable in there at the minute. Um, you say Sterling though, mate, but isn't Sterling injured until Hull? Well, in that case, <laughs> <laughs> I, I could be wrong, but I think when he was doing his opening thing, he was kind of expecting Hull. Who knows? My surprises. It's only three days difference. I'm sure he can play. <laughs> um, but yes, thank you for pointing that out, Michael. So in that case, um, I'm going to put uh, Tariq Fosu in at right back. Okay. So and what's midfield? He can go right back. Jordan Thompson is going to be shadowing the defence. Now, because we've got Aidan Flint there, we aren't expecting the defence to do much in regards of ball carrying and bringing out, obviously, it's a flat back four as well. So, Jordan Thompson's job is literally take the ball off the defence and then, you know, spread it, play it out, play it out wide or whatever. What I did notice as well against Reading is, did you, did you notice well, when we got the ball... The three in midfield and three in central halves really went really wide. Like there was yep. one left in the middle, and the other two were really wide. And I think that's obviously something that Alex Neal is trying to get into them. So um obviously with that in mind, I've got Smallbone and Baker 
playing in front of Thompson. And then I, I've got Campbell and Brown on the wings, Campbell on the right, Brown on the left, and Liam Delap leading the line down the middle. What I have got is Dwight Gale and Nick Powell sat on the bench, and after 60 minutes, if they are required, if we are not a couple of goals up, then they will be coming on to win us the game. Okay, mine's a little bit different to yours. Um, and this way you say, yeah, he's injured, he's injured. But anyway, I'm keeping Bonham in goal. I'm not dropping him yet. Uh, I think I just want to see a little bit more from him. So I'm keeping Bonham in goal. I'm going 4-3-3. It's kind of a very attacking 4-3-3. This is probably over-attacking, but still. Uh, I'm putting Ben Wilmot at right, uh, right back. Uh, I'm going for Jags and Taylor together at the back. I'm dropping Flint entirely. Um, and I'm putting Fosu at left back because I think he's I think he's definitely capable of doing a job there. Now my midfield three is Smallbone, Powell and Baker. Baker playing more of the, the deeper role, allowing Powell and uh, Smallbone to move. I think Powell should be fit enough to to at least start. Let's let's win the game and let's take him off if we need to. Um a front three won't be a sh- huge shock. Um so Campbell's on the right, Delaps in the middle and I really was ifing an R and over who plays on the left of that strike force. I don't think we've got anybody natural. Um, I've gone for Gale just because I think he, he he's just close to a goal. As soon as he gets that goal, I think he'll be fine. I mean, part of me would rather play right Phillips, but I don't think he's going to play right Phillips. I don't think he's quite convinced yet. So, 4-3-3. I, I was the same, I'll be honest. That's I was ifing an R in Gable Brown and I just thought that if we are... If that if that doesn't like Brown can basically wear them out, yeah. In the same way as we used to have, um, obviously, like Pulis used to send on his strikers into that. Um, and he did it before, like Sadibi and Perry Card. Like, why is he playing them two up front? And then he'd bring Ricardo Fuller on for the last half an hour, and the defense were like knackered at that point because them two had like beaten them around. And you think that could be Jake? Uh, that's all my that's was my thinking. I thought if Jacob Brown gives me an hour. Of high intensity, high pressure, push press, and then Dwight Gale comes on. The defenders going to think, "Oh, really? Why is he coming on? I'm tired." <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good thing. We've we've got a strike force. We can keep moving around, mate. So it'll be interesting to see which way he goes. But I just think we need to do all out attack. Let you know, Luton are not doing great at all. I think they're on the same points as us, if I remember rightly. So um, they're they're there for the taking, mate. If we want to just be a bit positive and run our socks off for ninety minutes. Um, we can obviously change it versus Hull. That's going to be a much harder game, but I just want us to see us win at home. Our home form has been so patchy in recent recent times. So, um, in terms of referees, mate, I'm sure you've probably got that somewhere deep in your notes. Um, how, how's the referee looking? Hopefully, it's not too bad for us because, as you said, we've already had 16 yellows. I don't really want any more. <laughs> so, Oliver Langford is the uh, referee. So this season, he has refereed, refereed five games, given two penalties, 26 yellows and no rents. <laughs> OK, so we're getting a couple of yellows then. So he was the referee. That, well, we can, I'll tell you now why he's got so many yellow cards. He refed our 1-0 loss to Sunderland. OK. So he gave us three yellows in that game and he gave Sunderland six. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I, this, I don't remember so, it being that bad, though. Despite doing that, I don't think he was overly bad, I don't think. So this season, the, rest, the last time he refed us, we lost. 
But the last time he refed an Alex Neal team, they won. won. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's what we're going with. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, the last Luton game uh, was a 1-0 win away at Coventry in March. He gave five yellow cards to Luton that day as well. So he's not he's not scared of getting his yellow out, but they never seem to go into a red. Maybe he bottles the old, uh, you know, the red one. Uh, in his career, he has refed out 13 times. We have two wins, three draws, and eight defeats. So not a great record there. Uh, he's refed Luton nine times. They've got four wins, three draws, two defeats. Although in those nine games, he has given three penalties against Luton. So basically just chuck yourself to the ground every chance you get. Yeah, and try not to remind him that he's refereeing Stoke. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, On Luton, I think they've, tactically, they've been going with like a 3-4-1-2, quite compact, no width. We know from our time here that Nathan Jones hates width, doesn't he? (laughs) He's carrying that on there. They're playing, like I say, quite compact. Now, from last season... Kai Naismith's gone. Very good player. He's gone Bristol yeah. City. Danny Hilton's left. Now, he bullied us both games since the last season. He's just the kind of player that I think our defence hates to play against. You just seem to get these old-school centre-forwards, they just bully them, don't they? Yeah. yeah they it, do. it happens more than once. Every time, don't you? If you see something like that, oh, no. They're just going to have a field day with us. Um, he's gone, and also Robert Snodgrass, very experienced player. He also left Luton in the summer. So those are three key players right through the spine of the side as well, really, from you know the game that they played here last season, who aren't going to be about. Um, they have signed Corley Wardrow from Barnsley, who, if you remember, scored a fantastic free kick against us last season. Yeah. Um, so he's always buzzing about, and maybe... He's not the choice, but he's you know his movement's quite good. He nips about. Might be something like say when you're choosing these centre halves. I know which if we put in you know Flint and A another in the defence. I know which one Coley Woodrow will be get pinning himself on. So won't he? And that hovering around. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a nice little player. Yeah, they're not going to be playing anything any balls up in the air to him, are they? Let's put it no. that way. And obviously another player they signed in the summer was Alfie Doughty. So are you would you like to know how he's getting on at, at Luton? Has he played at all? <laughs> he's yet to make his debut because he got injured in a preseason friendly. <laughs> of course he did. Of course he did. <laughs> wow. Okay. Good. Any other stats before we move on? Any other uh, interesting No, to be honest, no? Mate, I think like I said, they're um no, there's nothing else I've really seen on Luton's sort of tactical side. Like I say, I think they keep it quiet. And they're trying to play through the lines, don't they? They keep it narrow. Don't usually don't usually use much width as such. No. So we've got to make sure that in that mid centre of the pitch that we don't get outnumbered and that we work hard and and you know, make sure we've got people available and then possibly use use the width that we've got on our side if that's how we go, if we don't match up with them man for man. Well, we'll soon see. Um, let's move on then to the a little more fun section, as we like. So, Super 6 update, let's start with that. I'll let you get your gaffer uh, ready in the meantime. So, uh, Super 6, so top of the table is Glenn Goodwin. 
He sits on 70 points, so well done, Glenn. Uh, followed very closely by Matthew Robinson. And again, I'm sorry if your name, your name isn't Robinson, but unfortunately Super 6 does cut it off. Uh, so Matthew, either way, is on 68 points, so literally nothing in that. Uh, and there's a rook of other players who are like within three and four points of each other. Um, so uh, Andy is doing better, mate. He's got 60 points, and he sits in 15th out of 106. I sit in 59 points, so just slightly behind on 20th position. And Dan is sitting in the dizzy heights of 101st on t- on 20 points. So um, I, I, I have did you it this week. again, have you? Oh, you've done it as I, well. You've still not got any better. <laughs> I, did, I did it. I did it at the weekend. And then, you know, you reminded me, I completely forgot that we had one in midweek. <laughs> yeah. Had me I, over. I, the game's had me over again. I was going to say, because... The, the results and everything, uh, I think there was, there was some games that were being finished tonight, if I remember rightly, um, and I don't think it's updated on there yet, but I, I don't think I was doing great. In fact, no, oh, I've gone down 10 places. This isn't good. Oh, yeah. Dear. Yeah. And Matthew Robinson has now taken the lead over Glenn Goodwin. See, it's all changing live. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and it's uh, live. It's live. Yeah, yeah, not not bad. I'll take that. Um, so yeah, either way, uh, I've gone down, and that's just standard. So you're probably bottom on, on the 106th place by now, Dan. Um, okay, well, hopefully I'll do better on that at the weekend. Gaffer update. Now, Dan, I'm pretty sure I might have gone up two places this week. You have indeed. You've gone up to 30th. Yes. And you are actually in front of me and Andy. So you are on 415 points in 30th. I am in 33rd on 408, and Andy is in 38th on 400, exactly. So it's quite tight there still. Uh, but yes, I did do my Super 6, and I forgot to change my gaffer team. I'm really rubbish at this. Um, so Jack Curran leads the way still, 614. Uh, second place is at Stoke Gaffer, 592. And then third is at Gaffer Tipsters. So I don't know what, you know, they've dropped from second to third, but obviously that must be uh, just somebody who likes to go in everybody's leagues by the of it. So fair play to them. <laughs> uh, Pookie Blinders, they're having a good one. They're up to five, six, eight. Uh, they're on five, six, eight. They're up into fourth. Uh, Joe Williams, he's coming back up towards the top as well. He completes the top five on five, six, five. It just shows they've done it one good week and it all changes, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. One week where you forgot to change your team and you yeah, you fall like a stone. <laughs> and I, that's the problem. I, I did that. I think I left um, timing in accidentally once. I think I left Campbell in when he was, uh, he, he, I think he was injured or something. Either way, I left a couple of players in that shouldn't have been in there. So we, we, we've all been there and we'll all be there again yet. So uh, yeah, at least I'm on top of something for once. So I'll take that. Um, I think that's pretty much it for the majority of it. I know we want to do a quiz uh, as well. So it's going to be a very short mini quiz. So please stick around for that one. I don't think it's going to be a long one, especially now Andy isn't here. I can't possibly lose. So um, (laughs) Dan, I'll hand over to you, mate. Yes. So this is who played more. So this is starts starts and some appearances, all competitions. I'm going to give you two state players, A and B. You tell me who made the most appearances for Stoke. Yeah? All clear? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Round one. Abdullah Fai or David Kitson? Abdullah Fai. 
Abdullah Fai, 84. Dave Kitson, 40. Nice, yes. easy one to start off with. Well done. James Beatty or Tunchai? Gotta say James Beatty because he wasn't liked very much by Pulis. James Beatty, 40. And then he got headbutted by Pulis in the showers. <laughs> Tunchai, 55. Really? Wow. You wouldn't have thought he put on the stoke shit 55 times, would you? No. Wow. Ryan Shawcross or Denny Smith? Oh, come on. Um, oh. I think this is going to be close. There's 40 in it. Yeah. Um, oh. I'm going to say Ryan, just. So, my, head says, my head says Denny Smith, to be honest, but I'm going to go with Ryan. Denny Smith, 493. Ryan Shawcross, 453. Oh, so okay. it's Denny Smith. Clive Clark or James O'Connor? Oh, for God's sake. Oh, wow. See, he's played a lot. Yeah. They both came through together at the same yeah. game. Yeah. team together. See, I'm trying to link it in. Together. I'm going to say James O'Connor. So, Clive Clark, 264 games. James O'Connor, 211. Oh, my God. This is not fair. I but started still, off so well. Robert Huth Huth Huth, the massive German youth, or Mark Wilson? Gotta be who? Oh, I don't know. Pulis bloody loved Mark Wilson, didn't he? Um, <laughs> but he, he loved no Huth and Shaw. It's gotta be Huth. Gotta be Huth. Huth. Mark Wilson won seven eight games. Robert Huth won eight eight games. Yes. Yes. <laughs> there we go. Two out of five. He's back in the game. Now, Mark Steen or Mike Sheeran? Oh. I've got their goal records as well after because they're very impressive. I was going to say, yeah, they must they must be quite high. Um, well, I'm trying to think how long. See, this is very early memory for me. I'm go, I'm going to say Mark Steen, but I bet there's only 15, 20 games in it. I bet it's not much. No, you think that Mike Sheeran, seventy six games, thirty nine goals. Okay. I'd love for that. We'd love for that kind of striker ratio now, wouldn't you? <laughs> mm. Mark Steen, a hundred and thirty-four games, seventy-two, oh, wow. seventy-two goals. Okay. So two very prolific strikers there. You can see why he's the golden one, can't you? Seventy-two goals in one hundred and thirty-four games. Yeah, I got that one right. I'll take that. Come on, I want to roll. <laughs> <laughs> Graham Kavanagh or Liam Lawrence. Oh, 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 oh wow! Oh, I love Cav. <laughs> I love Lawrence. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna say Liam Lawrence. I think he was with us a bit longer. Overall, Liam Lawrence, 125 games. Graham Kavanagh, 245. Oh, jeez, yeah, really? Wow. Okay. I think because what how he left, I think I just kind of purposely wiped him out of my memory a little bit. Um, I think as well, because we were quite successful, we, sometimes we were playing like 60 games a season in League Two because we were like, 
it's like the auto windscreens final and league cup was like two legs and everything so i think there's mm. a lot more scope for more games one of yeah I think so. was like premier league is talking like 38 probably talking nearly four low 40s and how many games a season we were playing yeah um right now this is a three-way one so these three are the three who made the most appearance the three icelandics who made the most appearance for stoke okay okay Bjarni Johnson, Yeah. Brynjar Gunnarsson. Laris Sigurdsson. Oh, okay. So I'm going to say it's between the first two. So Bjarni, he was with us for 99. So it would have been four or five years, I think. Um, I'm going to say... Oh, man, Gunnarsson, he... He, oh, yeah, he was linked to Reading because he did that well and he was moving on quickly. I'm going to say Bjarni. I think it's between the first two. I'd be so surprised if the third is close. Bjarni Good Johnson, 161 games. Okay. Brynjar Gunnarsson, 161 games. Oh, this, this is the same. Okay, yeah. Laris Sigurdsson. 228 games. Really? Jesus, I don't remember that. Yes, the man, the rock. He was was the one who, obviously, it was was only him that we ended up with the Icelandic takeover happening, wasn't it? It was only the um, good John Thornton coming over in his role as Iceland manager to have a look at him and see how he was playing. They thought, I fancy getting some people together to buy this place. Can you believe, though, that it's been like 21, 22 years since that? I know, it's crazy, isn't it? That is scary. So, yeah, both Bjarni and what's his face on 161? Jeez. Yeah. Uh, so, Ricardo Fuller or Peter Thorne? Oh, I knew you were going to give me this one. Oh. There's 19 in it. I was going to say, can't be much. Um... Oh, Christ. I'm going to go for Fuller. Ricardo Fuller, 208. 50 goals, by the way. Peter Thorne, 189. Yes. 80 goals. So, yes, well done. And arguably, I, I think Thorne was the better striker. Well, that's that's the kind of worms you've just opened there. Well, that's, the, that's no, a debate it, for another day, I think. It does depend <laughs> on how you're gauging the better strikers. In terms of fini- like, style, charisma, Fuller wins it hands down, I think. In terms of finishing ability, and, you know, for example, Thorne, I think, scored four goals in a game, stuff like that. Like, for me, I think Thorne was the better finisher. But, he, yeah, he, Christ, yeah, different he players. Was, he was your penalty box strike. Inside the box, Peter Thorne. Outside the box, probably Ricardo Fuller. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Okay. But, yes. um, so, but yeah. Didn't do badly there, then. No, and there's one more. One left. Oh, okay. John Walters or Peter Crouch? Um, John Walters. Peter Crouch, 261. John Walters, 271. Quite tight one, but yes, you got it right. So you got you got one, two... Three, four, five. Five out of ten. Not a bad showing at all. Nice bit of fun no. there to end the pod. And everybody I start interacting with us. We want to know what you you know, what have you all scored? You get, get yourselves on Twitter and Facebook and let us know. 
how many you got. Yes, yeah, I definitely want to hear from, from see, see how many people have got because when we did some of the surveys, people said they enjoyed the quiz section. So, uh, yeah, it'd be nice to hear hear from people. I think that pretty much does us for this week. Then, I mean, obviously we're back on Monday because obviously we're facing Hull, uh, of course, in in the week. Um, so, Dan, any final comments, mate, before we wrap up? Uh, no, I think uh, Lou put it right earlier on, didn't she, when she said uh, up the mighty Potters. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.